namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa aparutha de sangamatassa tavara so this is a observance night and uh, point of uh, reflecting, opening, being a witness to Dhamma, to the way it is. And then over the uh, winter retreat completed, that's a memory now. And then the Terra's meeting and the elders meeting is about the future. So those are, we're looking forward to the Terra's meeting, the elders meeting. <laughs> Uh, what is that right now? And this is the way to kind of keep reminding yourself of the Pachubana Dhamma here and now Dhamma. Right now the elders or terrace meeting is the unknown. Just for, to see that it's a perception, it is what it is. It's about the future. But right now it is just this. It's only a perception, a possibility, potential. And so that's happening here now. And when we say Terra's meeting, elders meeting, then observe how that perception, which hasn't happened yet, we will have a Terra's meeting what that does to your, you know, your emotions. So you can see, you know, just to be the knower of this rather than somebody who always uh, believes or follows completely a kind of victim of how they're feeling in the moment. Or the past, you know, the winter's retreat's over, that's a memory that arises there. Because I mentioned that I'm bringing up the conditions for remembering the winter's retreat <laughs> as past. That's a memory. And a memory is impermanent anicca dukkanata. And yet we can think of, oh, the winter's retreat was, you know, and we can be happy or sad, angry, righteous, indignant, uh, happy memories, unhappy memories, and just by grasping memories from the winter's retreat, we can go up and down emotionally. So this is, uh, or the future, the terrace meeting and the elders meeting, <coughs> what emotions, because these, these uh, you know, these are, these trigger off uh, reactions, memories. We remember past Terrors meetings or past elders meetings. And so we project that into the future. <coughs> and then I'm going to Japan, that's a perception. Right now, sitting here in this high seat this evening, I'm going to Japan is a perception. It's a possibility. It's not a memory, but it's a possibility for the future. So this is a way to keep uh, keep uh, investigating the five khandhas. You know, so you so you are you're not you're not a helpless victim of fears, anxiety, worries. Uh, hopes, expectations about the future, or one who 
holds on to memories of the past. And that which is aware now, that which is aware of a memory is a memory, the future perceptions as what it is, it is what it is in the present. And in terms of the future, it's all potential, possibility, maybes, could be, pleasant, painful, success, failure. <clears throat> or the past is about, <clears throat> not about maybes, but what we remember of successes, failures, praise and blame, uh, worldly conditions that we remember in the present. Now the path is always the present, you know, if we, if a real pawana takes place in the present, it's here and now, mindfulness, letting go, non-attachment to conditions, to the five khandhas. It's discerning. So this, uh, we, during the winter's retreat, I use that, uh, Atti bhikkhuwe ajadang aputang aputang akadang asankadang. The bhikkhus there are there is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. And of course, I I asked you to chant it in the morning, and evening, <laughs> and then the lay support group chanted it three times at the meeting. Nice way to begin a meeting. But it's not just uh, some, you know, a poly chant, but, but it's a continuous reminder. There is, here and now, the unborn, uncreated, unformed. That's not about the future. It's not a memory of the past. Not about the five khandhas or the six ayatnas. They're not about nama rupa. It's not about birth and death or anything like that. Is a, ati is there is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. Now. That's Pachubana Dhamma. So by reflecting in this way, you know, if you keep doing it, it'll sink in. You begin to really notice. You know, you can understand it because you're all intelligent, educated people, right? I mean, so you. You kind of get the idea and the, and the you know, the think you, you might think you understand it because you, you under, you've, you've got a, an idea of what it means. But the reality <clears throat> of here and now, Pachubhanatama, non-self, anatta, here and now, is awakened consciousness and it's recognizing it because it's always here and now it's never about tomorrow or yesterday but we don't recognize it because we're uh, out of ignorance out of attachment we're always caught up into the conditions worrying about the terrors meeting the elders meeting about the future, resenting the past, wanting something you don't have, not wanting things to be the way they are. So, you know, this, this it takes determination to keep doing this because the worldly conditions are very intimidating, very powerful. One's feelings, one's emotions are so believable, so the real world is is full of emotion and what's right and wrong and good and bad. How things should be and how things shouldn't be. And we live in a society that's very much, uh, you know, has no wisdom as a foundation. We're not, you know, where have you heard in Western civilization there is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. I never heard it <laughs> taught in you know from my educational background, cultural conditioning. 
And then therefore there is the escape from the born, the created, the form, the condition. And so this, this word escape, you know, is, you know, on a personal level we can, people in psychotherapy or things that we have values about, you shouldn't escape, you should face up to. So on a personal level, you know, we've got to face up to our defilements, our problems, our emotions, we've got to face them. We've got to face up to fear and conquer fear and we've got to, you know, face up to our anger and resentment. And so this, but when I say this, that creates this sense of I'm somebody that's got to face uh, in my emotions, which is not, you know, not wrong. I'm not saying that, that that's wrong, but it is a condition in itself. The fact that I'm somebody who has emotions that I haven't faced yet is, even if it's true on the condition plane, it's not the unborn, uncreated. And if you don't know the difference, if you can't discern the difference, then there's always this sense of I've got to get something I don't have, I've got to purify myself, I've got to get uh, get rid of defilements. And that's how we're culturally conditioned, socially conditioned, with the ditty, with the conceit, pride, the ego, we have strong views, opinions, attachments, values, principles, high standards, ideals. Uh, we have fears. We have tendencies uh, toward maybe resentment, anger, fear, <coughs> uh, lust. We might have, you know, inclined towards violence or, or you know, vengeance. We might have uh, personalities that want to punish the wicked and seek revenge for the on those who have committed crimes and are evil. So, I mean, it's, this is, uh, these are the conditions. We have different karmic inheritances, different tendencies in varying degrees. But that which is one, which is, which is outside the conditioning process is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. Which is here and now. It's not about it's where me and what I think and fear and want and don't want is, can be seen in perspective. So I can, if I don't recognize the unborn, if I don't know it, if I don't recognize it, then I am merely uh, caught in the, in views, opinions, fears and desires. Helpless victim of the conditioning of habits of Vipaka Kama. There's no escape on that level. Just by trying to refine my personality, make me better, and that is, you know, is not to be despised, but it's not going to be liberating. So because there is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned, there is the escape, or the liberation, or the freedom from the born, the created, the form, the condition. Well, just think, that's, that's the perfect teaching. You can't, I mean, I personally feel you can't do better than that. <laughs> that says it all. Now then, from there on, we, we're, you know, the, we've got the Vinaya, precepts, tradition, the Theravada tradition, Thai forest tradition, the bhikkhu, Siladhara, Samanera, Anagarika, Anagarika, the Upasikas, Upasok Upasikas, on and on like these are designations of conditions. <clears throat> and then we can use these, identif identify with the particular position we're in. 
out of ignorance, out of attachment, we become bhikkhus, senior, junior, siladara, senior, junior, on and on like that. And then we, the ego, then the social conditioning, then affect how we hold that, you know, is it? Bhikkhus are better than siladars. Is that because <laughs> they're senior? Senior is being better than junior. Junior is, is somehow lesser and not as good as senior. And so we, this is, this is all about the born, the created, the form, the condition. It's about the kind of spurious logic we apply, like, like one is better than two, because one comes first. And so it must be better than two. Does that make sense? Or, you know, we, <clears throat> this is higher and lower, and higher is better and lower is is not as good as. When I identify with lower, then I don't feel I'm as good as somebody who's higher, who's senior. And, and this is a way to, to just investigate what condition phenomena, how it affects uh, our consciousness, and how we, when we blindly attach to the conditions, because we attach, we can attach to our position in the Sangha and suffer enormously because, you know, we should all be number one to be totally equal, you know, so that there's no two, three, four, five is what we're actually um, implying, you know. And this, of course, is, is nonsense. Condition phenomena is this, you know, it's uh, whether you're senior, junior, higher, lower. These are these are qualities of conditions. They're conventional realities, but that's not, you know, it's it's still uh, ajata. Uh, it's still jatang. Uh, uh, Bhutang, Katang, Sankatang. It's still the <clears throat> world of conditioned phenomena. Then the escape from the born, the created, the formed, the conditioned is through mindfulness. So here, and you know, Damarvati, this is what I've been pointing to for many years now. Some of you, I think, kind of get it at moments and forget it at others. Some of you, I wonder if you get it at all. But it's, this is the point of the, of this whole monastery here. It's the Amravati Buddhist monastery. It's the deathless realm. Now when I say Amravati, this is, I'm not pointing to the property or, but it's a reminder, isn't it? What what are we here for? To to abide in the deathless, in the Amaravati, not not as a place or anything, but it's a reminder. It's a symbol for there is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. Then, because of that, once that's recognized. You see, the third noble truth, the end of suffering, is about, it's, it's a recognition of the, you know, of the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. So it's realizing, recognizing, this is the unborn. It's not about trying to fool yourself or play mind games. It's, it's when you really have seen and experienced the suffering from attachment to the born, the created, the form, the conditioned. You have to really feel the suffering. You have to experience it and, and kind of soak in it, soak in your misery. This a, a welcome misery and, and anguish and despair and all this so that you can actually, you know, 
totally understanding the first noble truth, suffering should be understood. So, you, you know, then don't believe your mind when you're blaming your suffering always on, on, on your own views about how it should be or somebody else. You know, we always, the condition is always blame. I'm suffering because um, of this or that. It's somebody else's fault. It's because uh, nobody understands me. Uh, it's unfair, resentment. Nobody respects me, appreciates me the way that they should. Oh no, like this is in soak in this sense of, of self but in this way of not, no, no longer believing it, but recognizing what suffering really is. And then the second noble truth of seeing, recognizing the, investigating the attachment to gama dana, bhava dana, vipavadana. So you really know the difference between attachment and non-attachment. So like in my own practice, as in when, when I feel, <clears throat> uh, I feel suffering, when I recognize I'm suffering about something, I'm unhappy, I don't want things to be the way they are, I want, I want something I don't have, then that's the first noble truth. And so I, what am I, atta- what am I attaching to? What form of dunha, of desire, And then I, you know, I investigate. So it's like observing. You know, I want something I don't have. I don't want something I have. I want uh, sensual delights. Getting caught up in sensual desire or in the desire for attainment or achievement or desire to get rid of my defilement. Desire to to have everything perfect and harmonious. Like how many of us suffer when say, when this community becomes disharmonious? You know, and then the lay people suffer. Everybody suffers when there's disharmony. And so then we we because we want harmony or the illusion of harmony. <laughs> You know, let's just be very nice, politically correct, and not talk about anything that causes any kind of friction, any kind of acrimony. Just pretend everything is okay. That's not the escape from suffering. So it's not like being dysfunctional or just pretending, but it's a very, you know, Determ- strong determination to investigate this, this, if I'm feeling, you know, upset by communal disharmony, I can blame it on the community. Be easy to blame because there's, you know, disharmonious things that happen, misunderstandings in any community. I can blame it on individuals or whatever, but, and, you know, I can justify, you know, that it shouldn't be, they've got it wrong, or they shouldn't feel like this. But the suffering I'm feeling, I don't, I'm not going to make that, I'm not going to make any of you the cause of my suffering. There's not one of you in this community that is the cause of my suffering. Even if you're calling me dirty names. <laughs> Even if you're shooting arrows at me, it's not you that is the cause of my suffering. Because the cause is gamadana, pavadana, vipavadana, my attachment, not wanting you to be the way you are, or not uh, wanting the community, wanting the community to be harmonious, not wanting it to be disharmonious, that then that is then I'm really then I'm practicing dhamma. 
then I'm using the existing contingencies for developing the path, non-attachment. Whether this community is harmonious or disharmonious is not our business. Our practice, you know, the the emphasis is on learning from experience. When the world is, is at war or at peace, you know, how much can we you know, I don't want any more, I want peace only. And then, and then we whinge and, and get angry and resentful about warmongers and, and, and we, we complain and blame the enemy, the powers of evil, the axis of evil, the terrorists, the bad people, the gangsters, the mafia, the government, uh, uh, you're causing me suffering. Well, maybe they are creating a lot of suffering for everybody, but our practice is to learn from that because this realm is like this. This uh, sense realm is not about peace and harmony as a permanent experience. This is about birth, old age, sickness, death, about change about happiness and suffering, about praise and blame, <clears throat> war and peace, success and failure, sickness, isn't it? It's about having sicknesses, diseases and pain, about loss, about happiness and how brief happiness is on a conditioned level. You know, how happiness is, is what we want, but we have happiness, but it, you can't sustain it because of the nature of the conditioned realm. It's this relentless, inexorable change that we're experiencing. The body, you know, I'd like my body to never have any pain in it. Only pleasure. I'd like to have a body that never got stiff, never had any pain, never got sick, never got old. <laughs> You know, always in healthy, beautiful-looking, perfect body, and then you're, you know, you're set up for life of misery, because that's not the way things are. So, is the body the cause of suffering? Is a painful, sick, diseased body the cause of my suffering, or is it my not wanting it? wanting it to be something it's not. And this is a way to investigate the gamadana, bhavadana, vipavadana desire. So that which is aware of, of dukkha, of the causes of suffering, of the origin of suffering, of the end of suffering, of the eightfold path, the way of non-suffering, that is pachubhanadhamma. That's here and now Dhamma. That's not something you, you'll ever get on a person, in a personal way. You'll never get it by trying to get rid of things and get something you don't have, but by opening, recognizing. So the tradition we're in is, its whole purpose is about awareness. It's about it's merely a, an expedient means, and it's a tradition, an ancient tradition, that still works. So it's a, you know, whether we agree with everything about it or like, is not the point. It's not about whether I personally, you know, think it's the best and there's nothing wrong with it, or, or think that, that, or think, you know, being very critical of it. Because those are, that's where the condition experience comes in. I personally feel and what I think about Theravada tradition and how it should be and my view of what the Buddha really meant and wanted it to be and and uh, how it, uh, I don't want it to be this way and that way. What is that? That's thinking, isn't it? What I prefer, what I want, what I don't like how I think it should be, how and how I 
don't like the way uh, much of it is because it, it doesn't, it's, uh, you know, I want it to be different. So this is, this is, you know, just seeing this whole sense of Sakaya Ditti, Silabhata Bharamasa, Wichikecha. The first three fetters that block the path. There's no way, you know, you, it, it's very clearly spelled out by recognizing and investigating these fetters. The first three, after that, no, it's, you, you've got it, you know, just the cultivating developing its real power now then, it's the eightfold path. But until you have that, then you're, you know, you're, you're, no matter how many years you've been sitting on a cushion, um, getting your samadhi together, it can still be sakyaditi. You know, you can still, as soon as you get off the, the, the mat, you go outside and somebody says something that offends you and you get blown away by it without being aware you know, blaming the person who's insulted you as the cause of your suffering. So that's where it's like an ongoing challenge, you know, to, and it's a continuous reminding, like sati really means reminding yourself. Here and now, the un, there is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. Now I find that when I that whole reflection, whenever even now as I as I remind myself, there's the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. That's that is that has a real sense of relief, and and you know having practiced this way for many years, it's real. It's not it's not a, a kind of uh, kind of uh, deep state of samadhi. It's not about some kind of mesmerizing my mind or living in a, you know, disconnected from the world. It's just reminding that, the, that you know, in terms of here and now, this is, this is it, this is the real. And then I have perspective on the nature of the body, my own emotional tendencies, Memories, hopes, desires, fears, ideals, ideas, opinions, and views. And then, then re- affirming this, once you recognize, once you begin to recognize the unborn, uncreated, it's here and now, and nothing, nothing that you don't have, it's just, if you're caught up, if you're completely caught up in the belief of yourself, Sakyaditi, Thilabhata, Bharamatha, Vichikicha, then you, you know, you, you never question that. That's your, you're here in order to become something. If you never ex- investigate that assumption, I am somebody who's got to get something I don't have. I've got to practice in order to become enlightened. If you really operate from that, you know, that you'll never, and don't see what you're doing, you could spend, you know, the next 84,000 lifetimes trying to become enlightened through the Sakyaditi level. Now I want to become an Arahant. And so, uh, you know, I try to do everything that I think an arahant should do, practice, cultivate, that. But if that basic sakyaditi, I want to become an arahant, is never looked at, then that's my modus operandi. That's where I come from. That's how I see the world always from. I'm not an arahant, and I want to become one. And that whole way of thinking needs to be challenged. It's not that I'm, I'm, you know, I am an arahant, or I'm not an arahant. That's the sakyaditi, isn't it? Even those who who thoroughly convinced you're not arahants, that's still sakyaditi. 
Not to mention the ones that really believe you are arahants. <laughs> that Sakyadithi, more dangerous, I think, than the other one. <laughs> so anyway, believe you aren't an arahant is, is not quite as dangerous as believing you are. But that's not the point, is it? It's, it's being able to observe. Buddha, putto tamo sankho. This is awareness of conditions are impermanent, not self. So, I mean, this is, uh, you know, this is the uniqueness of uh, Buddha Dhamma because it is, is very direct. What is, what is more direct than there is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned? The thing that right there, but uh, Thakyaditi, my, you know, those trapped in views, opinions, uh, conceit, self views. It's very hard to 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 rec to understand that because uh, Thakyaditi tends to make us neurotic, complicated uh, individuals, believing, uh, you know, all the cultural conditioning, social conditioning as our reality. Believing whatever our emotions tell us is the real world. You know, completely committed to the conditioned realm, blindly, with no escape from it. No way out of it, just maybe controlling it so it's not so harsh. Or refining it, trying to, you know, develop a sense of self-respect and and uh, being moral and generous, and these are how to how to create a good personality, a good ego, a sense of self-respect on a conditioned plane, comes through dana sila, through generosity and morality. So, in terms of instructing people, you know, in people that have no possibility and not interested in pawana, then you encourage them to for dana sila. You know, so that, that, that is at least a, you know, skillful way to live in, this, in the world as a person, as a member of society, as a man, as a woman, as a king or a farmer or soldier or husband, wife, mother, father, whatever. Dana Sila is to be highly regarded. But Sathakyaditi, this is where, you know, the those of those of you who have, you know, have this sense of bhavana, of intuitive Something in you, some some kind of intuition that it, it, you know it knows that just living in the conditioned world as at its very best is still unsatisfying because in, we all have to experience the the society we're living in, the family that we're from, the the conditions that we're in, and that's changing. You know, our parents get old get sick and die, our friends move away, our relationships change. <clears throat> All that is mine, beloved, and pleasing will become otherwise, will become separated from me. Uh, we'll get old. We might, you know, we get old and then the, the body as it ages gets more decrepit, stiff, Unpleasant, get sickness, get cancer, diseases, and then death of the body. So, I mean, this is this is the way the world is. It's about birth and death. And to know the world is then that's why Buddha Puto is knower of the world as the world, not the critic of the world, not, not, not passing judgments about world is bad or 
but it knows the world. Loka we do, knower of the world. So that Bhutto then, Buddha, is awareness itself. You know, it's awakened consciousness. It's not personal, it's not about Ajahn Samedo or anybody else. When we take refuge in Buddha Dhamma Sangha, it's not about, you know, I can see it through Sakyaditi. I can say, I take my refuge in the Buddha Dhamma Sangha. What do you take your refuge in? Are you just a materialist? You just take refuge in money and position. But I, much better than you, because I take, well, that's Sakyaditi, isn't it? But if I, <laughs> and so that's not where I'm coming from, you know, not from Sakyadini, but it's a puto tamo sanko is, for me, the, the, those very words remind me. There is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. We all take refuge in Buddha Dhamma Sangha just out of tradition. You know, t- Theravada, Pali, we say Bhutang Sarnangachami, so that's, say, for all of us, that's our refuge, which is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. Awakened consciousness, that, that's where we're one, where there's no gender problems, no seniority problems. Because that's not about who's senior or who's higher or lower. Isn't that whether you're layman, monk or non, it's a refuge, it's the same for all of us. You know, even ceremonial, isn't it? Bhutto, tammo, sankho. So then the boot, now this is the paradigm of that form, it's a convention, yes. <clears throat> so when we attach to the convention, that's not it. You know, they're not, we become maybe Theravada Buddhists through attaching to Bhutang Sarnangachami, but that's not liberation. But Bhutto Tamo Sankho is then awareness. Bhutto knows the truth of the way it is, knows there is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. It's a knowing, not knowing about. But knowing directly, knows the Dhamma. So there's this Bhutto knows the Dhamma. And Sangho is not about monks or nuns or, or senior members or things like this, but about those who practice Supatipano, Ujupatipano. The four pairs, the eight kinds of noble beings, the Zodapana, Sakatakami, Anakami, Arahant. Not as people, not as persons, as individuals. So this is like a reflection. So that you know to you know to to keep this continuous reminding is necessary because it's so easy to forget it. And the world, you know, we've got we've strong feelings. We've got emotions. We're sensitive forms. So, you know, the disharmonies like this, harmonies like this. But that which is aware of when the community is harmonious or disharmonious is always the same, that awareness. That is, out, that is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. Now, recognizing the unborn, unconditioned is, you know, that's where it's, this is like intuitive knowledge. It's not, as soon as you go back in the Sakya Ditti level, you, you, you know, you, you'll never find it from the Sakya Ditti. The self view, me, I've got to find the unborn, uncreated. I don't, I don't know what it is. Tell me, what, what is the unborn, uncreated? 
you know, how can you describe it, you know? How can you define it, you know, that you can recognize it? That's what Sati Sampachanya is. Awakened consciousness from the individual. So they, we're all individual forms sitting here. And these forms are conscious forms. And then if we're not aware, if we're merely operating from Sakyaditi, Thilabhata Paramasa, Vichikita, then we identify with the forms. Whether you're a lay person, a samana, senior, junior, you can't help it. With a male-female thing, with the gender of the body. And there's so many strong views and opinions about gender these days. As you hear it all the time about uh, patriarchy, these words like become, you know, pejorative accusations. Patriarchy is bad, male dominance, females as victims, rights, and it should be equal. And so these are values and views, not that they're wrong or right. But from the Sakyaditi level, the emotional level, how does that affect you? You know, I hear the word patriarchy being used like a, like it's a devil, satanic, evil, <clears throat> male dominance. I mean, it's, it's the, you know, not that patriarchy is necessarily good, but is it, it is a, it's it's merely a concept, and then at this time it's under criticism and hierarchy because equality is the is the ideal of the time. Everything should be equal, and so this is the way to investigate the kind of society we're living in. Is like this, you know you. You can't help but be affected by all the views and opinions about about the views about patriarchy, equality, fairness, rights, human rights, women's rights. Nobody talks about men's rights these days. We don't. And so, you know, women have rights. Why shouldn't the men have rights? And uh, and the human rights. And so this is, these, and, and I'm not criticizing this, but pointing to it as it is what it is, you know, and how it affects us, how it affects the individual. You know, so you can see that which is aware of the emotion arises, that arises through the word patriarchy is like this. Because we get accused of being a patriarchal form. The Thai forest tradition, Theravada Buddhism, it's all patriarchal. And that, that, when they hear that, that's always kind of saying it, it's something wrong with it. It shouldn't be. It's unfair to women. And so this is, now this is how I, when I hear, the word patriarchy is a pejorative concept. That's how it affects me. It's like like being criticized for being having a male body. I'm not support. You know, I don't. I'm not. If I attach to patriarchy as a way of suppressing women, then that's that's still sakya ditti. But it's not about men dominating women. It's about awakening to Dhamma. So this is where we find equality is in awakened consciousness. That's the only possibility. There is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. Therefore there is the escape from the born, the created, the formed, the conditioned. If there was not the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. There would be no escape from the born, the created, the form, the conditioned.
there is the escape. And so that's what we're here for. And so that's what I'm, I keep, you know, this is how I see this place, Amravati Buddhist Monastery, as this kind of reminder. You know, I want, you know, by talking like this, by reflecting like this, hoping that eventually this, this, this whole monastery and the concept of Amravati will be, uh, in its form, in its uh, geographical location, in the conceptual form, will be a reminder. There is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. Therefore, there is the escape from the born, the created, the formed, the conditioned. And that's then, as Lung Po Cha always used to, he says, the world ends here, and he always points to his heart. Where does the world end? And then he goes like this, points, and uses his hand pointing to his heart. So in, in that way, that's quite, you know, I found that, you know, it's like the, the world ends is, is uh, you know, for a Western mind, is like Armageddon. The end of the world, the, the destruction of everything, total extinction, But in Lungpa Cha says the world ends here. So that means then it points to himself, to his own heart, not to anything external. And that, that very pointing is about there is the unborn here. It's not my physical heart. But in order to be free from the, the born, the created, the form, I have to understand it. I have to know it and know the suffering of attachment through my own habitual uh, grasping of it. My blind kind of sla- enslaved attitudes and uh, to my ego and my cultural assumptions and my own views and opinions and memories. Because th- then the path is not about getting rid of self, not getting rid of conditioning, but understanding it. This is the discerning, the puto, the Buddha knows the Dhamma. The supatipano then is one who practices, pavana. It's not a person anymore. Supatipano is not a, a monk or a nun or a lay person. Uju Patipano, Yaya Patipano, Samiji Patipano. <clears throat> the four pairs, the eight kinds of noble being. This is the, the insight. Individual have insight into the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. So the Sotapanna has that insight. But it's not, if I start claiming I'm a sotapanna, that's sakyaditya again. There's nothing you can claim from the level of, you know, sakyaditya. There is the path. There is the unborn, uncreated. And so this is seen through these first three fetters because they're human creations. They're, you know, they're about culture, about social conditioning, about education, about, uh, you know, identifying with being European or Asian, about language, about our own thoughts and memories. And one, if you don't ever get through that, you're stuck in that. It's like they say rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. You know, spend your whole monastic life just rearranging chairs on something that's doomed. You know, you're just fooling yourself. You know, it's doomed. It's going to crash into an iceberg. So, knowing that you're on the Titanic... and it's going to end up in a disaster, then rather than spending your time rearranging the deck chairs, 
awakened to the deathless. Awaken to the Amaravati. This is it, you know, whether you're on the Titanic or here or wherever, the, there is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. Here and now, Pachubanna. This is it. Where if you're looking at for you know, enlightenment in the future, then, you know, you're, you're still like, that's what they call rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. You spend all your life, monastic life, rearranging chairs, that's all. And, and then you'll end up, you know, not being ready for the disaster. So this is, the disaster is death, but that's not, that's normal. You know, death is, is just the nature of conditioned phenomena. The world ends here, pointing to the heart. So when there's no world, there's still consciousness, awareness. The world can operate, you know, it rises, ceases. You still remember, you still think, still, you know, your vipaka kama. You, you know, karma ripens, you, you get, your physical body gets old, it gets its, uh, the problems of age and sickness, you still feel loss when somebody you love dies and on and on like this. But the difference is that you're aware. Your refuge is in awareness, not in your feelings and your views and opinions and fears and attachments. So this is like a reminder of this. Uh, and, and so, you know, just to, to have this sense of here and now, content, you know, it's a, you know, after 40 years, I still have to remember this. Still here and now, there's the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. And then, then I can, you know, and as you trust that, then it, it, it sustains itself because the unconditioned is not about me and my practice anymore. It's about awakening here and now, trusting. It's sada, where faith becomes powerful and carries you through the momentum of your life. You know, what we have to deal with in terms of old age, sickness, death loss and so forth. It's through this faith. But this faith isn't believing, you know, from I believe in the unborn. It's, 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 uh, you know, faith in, in, uh, Dhamma, Panya and faith go together. Panya and Sada. They're, they're, they balance each other. The more Panya you, you develop, the more faith the more your faith increases, the more sada. It's not about believing. You have more faith in Buddhism, but you're, you're actually, you're, this faith or the word sada in Pali isn't about believing in, you know, in what the teacher says or scriptural. It's, it's based on wisdom, on insight, confidence. So faith in this or Sada is more like confidence from a deeper level than just personal, you know, believing in myself as, as, as on the Sakyaditi level. Not about self-confidence. It's confidence that comes through investigation, through insight, through practice, through cultivating bhavana. So I offer this for your reflection. Shandamayam dhamma o vargasasa tithagam, dhammaste